Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio, this is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Alex Hoyer. In the mid-1800s, Dred Scott sued for his freedom in St. Louis Circuit Court. The enslaved man fought a years-long legal battle that culminated in an infamous U.S. Supreme Court case called Dred Scott v. Sanford. In the case, the court concluded that people of African descent, whether they were free or enslaved, were not U.S. citizens and had no right to sue in federal court. The decision also reinforced that the Constitution protected slave owner rights because enslaved workers were considered legal property. The ruling against Scott helped push the United States closer to civil war. Today, Dred Scott and his wife, Harriet Scott, are celebrated, and now there's a monument that befits that legacy in Calvary Cemetery in North St. Louis, Dred Scott's final resting place. Scott's great-great-granddaughter, Lynn Jackson, was behind that effort. She's the founder and president of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. For more, here's St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson. There is only one word that comes to mind when you first see the new Dred Scott Memorial Monument. Stunning. The front of it is reminiscent of a courthouse. And that's what my original thought was that, you know, he, he the fact that he's at the top means that he was able to rise above the law within his own heart and by the good help of those who helped him throughout the 11 years of his trial. That's Lynn Jackson. She's Scott's great-great-granddaughter and the mastermind behind the nine-foot-tall black granite monument tucked away in St. Louis's Calvary Cemetery. Scott's name is held up by five pillars that tell pieces of his story. The center column has an image of him which is from the charcoal drawing that is a family heirloom, probably the only real one we have. Um, His date and just a synopsis of uh, the fact that he and his wife uh, sued for their freedom and that this is his final resting place here at Calvary, that this was also one of the worst Supreme Court cases ever rendered. On the left is a tribute to his wife and daughters who are buried at Greenwood, and um, another individual is buried here with Dred Scott, which is a grandchild. There's also a scripture and an excerpt of the Declaration of Independence. On the back, there's more history about the Scots, an excerpt from Dred's obituary, and a quote from Frederick Douglass. He may decide and decide again, but he cannot reverse the decision of the Most High. He cannot change the essential nature of things, making evil good and good evil. Happily, for the whole human family, their rights have been defined, declared, and decided in the court higher than the Supreme Court. The monument has been years in the making. Jackson says there was a lot that led up to it. Merely the fact that the first one didn't tell you who he really was. Um, It said that he fought for his freedom and that his friend Taylor Blow freed him, but there wasn't space to say very much. So I was uh, very much interested in being able to tell more about why Dred Scott was important, as well as it was small and hard to see. As you look around where we're sitting, you know, they're all pretty much ground level. Um, It's hard to have found it. I myself drove by and, and couldn't see it from time to time. So this one I wanted people to see. 
because his is among the top three that are asked for in the cemetery, which has over 300,000 people in it. What were some of the roadblocks that you might have faced trying to get this whole thing together? I can see you like... <laughs> well, COVID was one because, again, I've had this idea for several, several years. But um, when COVID hit, I thought, wow, we were going to have a fundraiser and it got canceled because two weeks before everything got shut down. And I thought, okay, what can we do? Why don't we start trying to plan for the memorial and do a GoFundMe? And so that's how it got started. So it was a bit of a roadblock in that it was not um, a good time to have a fundraiser, but we found a fundraiser that worked. Why do you think Dred Scott's story is a significant part of U.S. history, particularly to Missouri and Illinois history? Well, his case is important because if he had not fought for 11 years, then who knows? There would not have been a Dred Scott decision. You had to go through the Missouri Supreme Court to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. And after six years, most people would have said, okay, I'm done. You know, but they tenaciously continued. And uh, without that, who knows? Um, the Civil War, of course, was a major outcome of that. But we still may have had slavery into the 1900s. So, of course, we are here for Dred. <laughs> and Dred is typically the focal point of the story. How does his wife Harriet's legacy play a role in this larger story? She herself filed for freedom separate from Dredd. They did it at the same time, on the same day, in the same place, but she had her own case. And that's something a lot of people don't realize how important that was. Her opportunity to get freedom would have covered her daughters because so goes the mother, so goes the child. And yet, had anything happened to Dredd, and she didn't have a case, they, they would not have had a chance. In this situation, if anything happened to him, then she and her daughters it still had an opportunity for freedom. As his great-great-granddaughter, how does your family talk about this history? And are there other stories about his life that you remember hearing about? When we were younger, we didn't sit around chatting about it. When holidays or notable days came, then we would see recognitions or my dad and his brothers would be a part of it. But um, over the years, you know, it, it, things changed. You know, they, they were born in the 20s and they had to live through times when blacks weren't given much credence. So now it's a lot easier for us to talk about our history and uh, I just felt inspired to make that happen. Do you remember the first time you visited your great-great-grandfather's gravesite? And I'm curious about what that experience was like for you. I don't really remember the first time I visited, but there's a picture of the first time. And the first time, there was no headstone there. But we were being shown where he was buried, which is right here where we're sitting. And... Um, that was a pivotal moment in history when his grave was recognized and then soon would be marked. So I have pictures of the first time I was here, but I can't say honestly that I remember standing here. When you look at those pictures, what goes through your mind? That my mom and dad and my brother and I were fortunate enough to be here and know we didn't understand as my brother and I were just little kids. We were under four, but my parents and my dad, who actually carried on the legacy, were, I'm sure, very honored to have been able to stand here and be in Ebony Magazine and say, wow, this is a historic spot. 
and soon it's going to be marked with a headstone. I'm talking with Lynn Jackson, the great-great-granddaughter of Dred Scott. We're here in Calvary Cemetery at the site of Scott's new memorial monument. So you are the founder and president of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. Why was it important for you to maintain the legacy of Dred Scott? Too many of our stories go unheard and unheralded and unknown. Mine was not such a story, and yet there's so much of it that was unknown. And yet, again, I want to encourage people to study their own history. So if my story can help someone else care about their own story, that's a personal thing for me. But nationally, it's just important to say, you know, look, we relegated this man in history. There was a time in the early 1900s when a book was published about African-American history, and he is not in it. It was a pivotal moment in history, the Dred Scott decision. It was, I call it the linchpin of our, our nation's history because things turned radically after the Civil War and because of the Civil War, which was partly because of the Dred Scott decision, which was partly because they didn't give up. So um, I think it's just critical that we not forget people like Dred and Harriet and so many others. So for years, people have continued to visit Dred Scott's grave what is it about him and his story that you think draws people to it? The courage to fight the system. It was sometimes considered seditious to sue your master. And um, yet in Missouri, the law, once be always free, gave them the right to do that. But you still had to step out and do that. So that's one aspect of it. But then the rest of it for me is the continuance of it. I usually tell young people like, hey, you, you just got your license and you're going to go out and kick it. Well, you get a ticket and now you've got to wait two weeks to go to court. Can you imagine waiting 11 years to get an answer under the circumstances under which they lived? So um, every bit of it had to do with courage and uh, uh, endurance. How do you hope this monument will further teach people of all ages about who he was, especially at a time where talking about black history in this country has been, has been cont contentious, <laughs> like talking about this history. And this is your family lineage. Okay, so we have the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, that, which was founded on three principles commemoration, education, and reconciliation. This monument encompasses all three of those ideals. And in particular, I'm hoping for reconciliation to be a part of what comes out of this, because as a lot of people don't realize it, there were many abolitionists and many people who were not African-American who helped Red and Harriet throughout their whole ordeal. And without them, they probably would not have made it to the Supreme Court. And so uh, this monument encompasses everything that our work stands for. And I think when people come and see the inspiration that's on here, they will walk away with something they didn't have when they came. You and your family have spent many years maintaining the legacy of Dred Scott. How do you hope it will be maintained once it's time to pass the torch to a new generation? When my father wondered who would pass this on, after his generation, he didn't know, and actually I didn't know either. I had no clue I was gonna be doing this as late as 2003, but I knew the anniversary would be in four years, and so I said, well, 
you know, we, we'll do something for sure because I've always been a planner and a manager and so forth. So I said, well, we, we were not going to sit back and just watch it on TV. But I did not know. And I had no idea that I was destined to continue and continue. So I'm only believing that down the road, another person can pick up the banner. How do you hope people remember your contributions to Dred Scott's legacy? I hope they remember it as an encouragement, not only to study history, not only to get up and do something themselves and make a difference in the world, but to, um, to believe, to believe that all things are possible. Thank you so much for sharing this moment with me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was Lynn Jackson, founder and president of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation and the Scott's great-great-granddaughter in conversation with St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson. They talked about the new monument marking the final resting place of Dred Scott in Calvary Cemetery. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.